Um, I ask you guys to pray for this time that we're in, uh, that you would posture yourself and say, God, I'm open. Would you come and, and would, you, would you wreck me? Would you reveal things to me? Would you convict me? Would you love me? Uh, would you show things about yourself to, to me? Uh, I just challenge you to do that, even right now. Just say, man, God, I need to see more of you today. I, if you do that, if you do that right now, I'm telling you, God won't leave you alone. He will reveal something about himself that you've never known before, and it'll change you. Um, some of you have, have been in a relationship with someone that you don't know very well. And his name is God. Um, some of y'all, you've, you've been dancing around the same information for years, but you've never really, you've never dove deeply within the, the pool of, of God and His character. And I'm so honored and pleased today to introduce you to God in a way that maybe you've never seen Him before. Um, that, that, that God would, would be seen in, in a way today that you've never glimpsed. When, um, when you first meet someone, you, you find out what their name is. Um, but you may not know that a lot of times their name really does represent something about them. And so if, if you just stay at a very cliche level with someone, including God, then you'll only know the surface level things about them. And all you'll ever do is you'll walk around with this person and say, how are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you doing? Fine. Good. See you later. And it's so... it's. It's almost by default that we'll walk around, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, that by default you can walk around just in a way that really is truly is religion. That you know a few things about Him, and that's all you think that you need. In fact, you, you don't even know that you have a deficit in your life. But because all you know is all you know. And you're working from from that backpack. But what I invite you to do today is I invite you to trade in your backpack. I'd invite you that in a, in a metaphorical way that you'd lay down the backpack that you have and that you just say, Jesus, would you go through my backpack and would you take out anything in my backpack, my understanding of you, that is wrong? Would you take it out and would you... Would you affirm the things that I know about you? But God, would you start pouring more into my backpack? And I'm telling you, it'll just rock your world. Um, I told you guys last week that it was in college days that I really began praying the Lord's Prayer. went through about a, a two-year process that I would pray an hour a day with the model prayer as my springboard. And it changed my life. And there are... The, the, incre the, the whole Lord's Prayer is potent. It's so powerful. But even within that, just speaking personally, the names of God, learning God's names, and therefore about His character, changed me probably than any other part of the Lord's Prayer. Now that's not too fair because it's all good. It's all incredible. But it's, it became a, a starting point for me because I didn't, I didn't really know Him. I didn't understand Him. The, the, the text we're in, Matthew 6, it says, Pray then in this way, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The section that we want to take today, that we want to, we want to pause, we want to anchor at, is hallowed be your name. We talked a little bit last week. Hallowed is a weird name that you don't even hear talked about very much. And, and that's part of the reason why I'm giving it to you. Um, mentioned how we've been challenged. We've been challenged by some theologians that perhaps there are some words that we need to set aside and only use, only use for certain things. And and maybe there are some words that should be kept for God alone. I, I'm, I'm one of the challenges is the word awesome, which was a word I used all the time. And challenge to say, you know what? That word awesome means for absolute awe to be struck you know, within someone. And it's, it's a pinnacle word. It's an apex term. And maybe what we should do is to think through the apex terms and maybe we should, we should kind of take those terms and set them aside and say, God, I want to use these to describe you or, or at least the things of you. And... Uh, and, and don't you know? I don't mean to be legalistic with that, to where we're going to jump on you if you use big words like like that for your candy bar, okay? But um, nevertheless, is to think through how we can press God higher and higher uh, in our lives and in our understanding. And etymology is um, it's the study of words, uh, the meaning of words. Um, just I'll give you some examples. It's from my own family. Um, my name's David. And the word David means beloved of God. Uh, my wife, her name is Danielle, and the root word of that is judge or, or judged. Um, Thew is my last name. Uh, it actually mean, it means sinewy muscle, okay, like tough, not necessarily big, nice muscle, but tough, uh, sinewy like, a, like a, a grumpy old man probably. But um, Danielle's um, name that, that she grew up with is Leatherland which means land of leather, I guess. And um, our first son, his name is Blake Austin, which is, it's, it basically means fair-headed, but we didn't name him that because of the meaning. But back then, we were like, we just want a strong, masculine name for our first son. And so we like Blake, Blake Austin. And, uh, and it's, it, it's funny that even the naming of our kids shows part of our, our journey. We're just like, man, that, that's what we're... It's a strong masculine name. Our next son, James Paul. Um, uh, James is after my dad, and Paul is after Danielle's dad. You see how there's stories, stories in each one of these. Next child, uh, Cross. His name is Cross Adam, and I I was convinced at this time I wanted this boy's name to preach the gospel, because the first Adam. Um, he was the one that screwed everything up. He was the major mess up. But Jesus is known as the second Adam. He's the one who came and lived the life that the first Adam should have lived for us. And he walked it out for us, bringing salvation, bringing redemption um, to, to mankind. He was not just the second Adam. He was the cross Adam. And he spells it with cross with a K, by the way. 
And um, then finally, my, my baby girl, Zoe. Uh, Zoe Nicole, her middle name, Nicole, is after her mom, Danielle Nicole. Zoe, though, uh, is, comes from a Greek, Greek term um, for life. Uh, there's, there's a couple of Greek terms for life. One is bios, the other is zoe. Bios is, is the life that's found in plant or an animal or in a human being of actually that they are living. Bio, uh, that's bios. Zoe actually means a born-again life, an eternal life, a life that only comes to those that surrender their life to Jesus Christ. It's one that completes us as a human being. And so therefore, her name too uh, proclaims, proclaims the gospel. Um, I don't know if you've ever studied your own name or, or looked up your own name as far as your first name, middle name, last name. I challenge you to do it. And if you can even ask your parents to, uh, to ask them, you know, what was, what was the reasoning behind it? A lot of times it's family that it's tied to. Uh, other times, though, uh, it, over the years it was tied to what they did, you know, um, uh, a, a baker, you know, or smith, you know, you understand? Uh, one... It was a family who cooked the Smiths. There were the Smith Smitties in the in the town that maybe did worked with with iron or metals, um, and uh, so that's they were just oh that's uh, that's James the Smith, you know that's that's John the Baker, and so they just eventually started I'm John Baker, and and, and there's even there's even some who was like Johnson or Davidson you know, because the son of John or the son of David, and so this makes a lot of sense uh, as as you look back in, in time, but. God, too, wants you to be introduced to Him, to be introduced to His names, because His names describe His character. Um, let's look at some of the, the Old Testament names that we have. First of all, uh, the big name, Yahweh, or Jehovah, um, which means self-existent one. And, and you could describe this as the meta-name. I mean, this is the big name, um, and, and we'll, we'll get to some that are attached to this name, uh, but this name really encompasses everything. It's, it's, all, it's all in all, self-existent one. Um, Exodus 3, verses 11 through 14 was where it was introduced uh, to Moses. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers have sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am that I am. I am what I am. God was proclaiming, nothing created me. Nothing came before me. He said, I am. I will always be. He was saying, I am God. And there is no other. Everything else in the entire universe has a creator. And that creator is moi. I am. Everything comes from me. And uh, we'll get to this a little bit more as we compound that with some of the other um, names that describe his character. Second, though, in the Old Testament, Elohim, uh, which meant 
strong one. And uh, we see this in Genesis chapter 1. Um, this is, this is uh, um, a, to, to describe him, because there was a lot of other false gods that were being proclaimed back during this time, and being proclaimed as being the one God, because they were, they were, monotheism was, was non-existent. People believed in a plurality of other gods. And so to say that there was only one, that everything came from, was something that, that was very strange to all the other religious and spiritual people at that time. But you know what's amazing about this? This word is not a singular word. It's talking about a singular God, but the word itself is plural. Though the word Trinity does not exist in the Old Testament or the New Testament, this is our first indication that God, though He is one God, is made up of more than one persona. Uh, so Elohim, um, strong one. Adonai, which meant Lord, it meant Master. Um, and that, that word was a word that was used for people who would be the master over them, a boss that was over them, but it was one that they used as a name for God. Uh, it was one that would, would certainly, it was a submissive term. It was one that would proclaim His sovereignty, sovereign as a king, in which you would, you would stop and just say, you are my master. I call you out, Adonai. You're my master. Um, as we go through this, I mean, I'm not going to pause with every one of these names to pray or pray them through. But what my hope is, that there's an investment within you that, especially that, be looking for one or two of these words just to really hit you with where you are in your journey right now. But then what God will do, though, is He'll slowly expand. If you take the time and minutes pour into hours and hours upon hours as you progress in this year and next year studying and praying back the names of God and calling out His name, He, he responds. Let's talk about some of the names of God in the New Testament. It's at a different point in your notes there. But um, there's some, some of the names of uh, Jesus. And uh, there, there are a lot of other metaphorical names uh, for name, the bread of life and the Lamb of God. I'm not even going to go into all that. If you'd like to have even more of that information, more that's even on that sheet, email me. And I'll be glad to send you even more information uh, for you to go even further in, in talking to God according to, to those names. But let's just talk about uh, three of them here. Jesus, it actually came from the Hebrew word Joshua, which they would have, they would have said Yeshua. Yeshua, and it actually meant Jehovah or Yahweh is salvation. And so Joshua um, or, or Jesus, that name actually proclaimed the gospel. Proclaims Yahweh, the God of the Bible. He is salvation to us. And so Jesus, every time someone would say His name, they were actually proclaiming that His Father is the God of all salvation. I am this was interesting, um, uh, and it was true. It was I am. It was Yahweh. Uh, it's equated with that. Um, in John uh, eight fifty eight, um, uh, um, Jesus said, "Before Abraham was, I am." And what he was doing is he took he took that term uh, that would, again was matched up with their understanding of the word or the the name 
Yahweh. And he was saying, first of all, I've always existed. If, if, you're, if you're in here, maybe you're a friend who's a skeptic. Uh, maybe one of our agnostic or atheistic friends. And maybe you're like, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. He did all over the place. And this is one in which he proclaimed to be deity. He claimed to have lived already for an eternity. And he claimed to be equal with God because he was saying all those things through that one statement. He was saying, I am. He said, I, I've always existed uh, and I am uh, one with God the Father whom you, whom you uh, serve. And uh, he also used it at times in saying, I am the light of the world. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, uh, another, another term, it's really a title, but, uh, but it's still it's closely related is Christ, um, which means Messiah or anointed one uh, of God. Um, and so those are the names uh, from Old Testament and the New Testament um, now let's look at some old, some compound uh, Old Testament terms, starting with uh, the n- the name El. Um, El meant God, and the first one I want to uh, to hit on is El Olam, which meant the everlasting God or the unchanging God. Um, and this is a great one to to begin with Yahweh, Him just saying, "I am. I'm the self-existent one." Uh, this is another good one just to, to pair with that and to say, God, you're El Olam. You're the unchanging God. You've always existed and you have never changed. God is saying to us, He's like, look, I am God. I've never ever taken a detour. I never have changed who I am. Um, and, and really, this name is like an enticing invitation He's saying, look, this is who I am. I've always been like this. And I'm opening myself up to you. Come and find out who I am. Come to me. Come and find out. Know my name. And find out my character. And trust me. El Roy is the strong one who sees. And that's out of Genesis 16. You may recall, if you've been walking through us on Sunday mornings for a while, um, Hagar was um, Abraham's, uh, well, Sarah's maidservant that Sarah gave to him uh, to have a child by. Ishmael was, was born, and then ultimately she was rejected by Sarah, Abraham, and I'm not going to rehash all of that, but he was, a ver- he was a bad leader and was allowed Hagar to be marginalized, to be oppressed uh, by Sarah. And uh, at one point, she was cast out and she ran away. She's out in the wilderness running away from the oppression. And, and she's crying and doesn't know what to do. And God comes to her. God comes to her. And it's the only time that a lady gives God a name. And it was an Egyptian maidservant. And she said, you are El Roy. You're the God who sees. Um, it's, uh, it's, pro- it's probably not been very long or it may not be too long until you're in a valley or walking closely with somebody that's in a deep valley. And, and you'll be asking the questions like, man, God, how, how long 
must I walk through this? Or how long must my friend, my family member, how long must they walk through this? How, how long is the pain going to be? Or God, why did you allow this to happen? And we're reminded, man, I mean, this is the way, this is the way that followers of God have been for, for all of history is when faced with a human condition, when faced with the horrible things that happen in life is, is to look and just say, gosh, Lord, what? wow, how long, how long is this going to happen? In fact, I want to go to Psalm 13, 1 through 6. Just listen to David and this authentic call that he makes to God. But look where he ends up in affirming God. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. You see what David did there? There's a lot to learn from his example. God doesn't want you to, to fake it before Him because He doesn't get faked out. He wants you to be real. He wants you to take the circumstances where you are and your feelings, your affections, and just to, and just to reflect them back to God. Just saying, right, God, You already know where I am. And so I just I want to be honest before You. And God, I, I'm hurting over this or I don't understand this or, or why. You, know, you, just, you bring this before God. This name, as well as some others that we'll see, it reminds us that He's a God who sees us. And, and there's a name we're going to get to in, in a little while, Jehovah Shema, which reminds us that He's there. He sees us and He's there with us. David's like, you know what? Even when I don't understand, even when it seems like maybe He's far away, I know! I know He's near me. I know He sees me. I know He hears me. I know He's walking with me. I know He loves me. And we remind ourselves of this. And the strength that comes from this is tremendous. And this is a part of faith. For some of us, we would define faith not necessarily as the things that we don't see that we believe in, but it's the things we don't understand that we trust God for. You with me? That's faith too. Not just when we don't see things, we trust God for what's there, but also when we're like, God, I don't even understand this, but I trust You. You're good. Your perspective is a lot higher than mine. El Roy. El Shaddai, the Almighty God, and it points to his, not only His power, but to His gracious power. El Elyon, um, this is uh, translated as the Most High God. And uh, literally it would be the strongest strong one. You know, it's, it's, there's redundancy that's built into this that, that He's not just the, the, the strong one. He's not even just the strongest. He's the strongest of the strong. He's the Rock of Gibraltar. It's like, what we say is like, I will, 
I, I will build my life upon the foundation of El El Yon instead of upon the understanding of David. Honestly though, there's much of the time I look and when I'm devastated, I'm like, oh man, I wasn't, that part, that part of my life wasn't on the rock. It was on me. And I got washed away. But the rock didn't. Here I'm swimming out there. All right, let's get back to the rock. Let's look at uh, some of the names that combine with Jehovah or Yahweh. And, and I told you already, but this is, this, is where, this is where I find I anchor the most in, in the names of God. Um, I mean, I, I love these names because, again, it starts with Yahweh, Jehovah, I Am, the self-existent One. And then there's characteristics that are attached to Him being the self-existent One. Starting with Jehovah Tzidkenu, which is the Lord, our righteousness. And, and when I'm praying, I start there. And, and, I mean, what you, may, you may be tempted in prayer, and, and I, I fall here too. You may be tempted to just start your prayers by just starting to rattle off the things you're asking for. But what I proclaim to you is that you start by saying, God, this is who you are. Not, not this is where I'm at or this is where the world's at. But we start our prayers by saying, this is where you are. Because our stuff is changing. Our stuff is highs and lows. And many times... When we're experiencing the peaks of our life, that's when, we, that's when we get the most independent of God because we start stepping away saying, well, man, I, I got things covered. I'm okay. In the low times, that's many times when we kind of chunk in the towel, chunk the towel for a while, or it's a time when we do claim to God. And He, he wants us to know, it's like, no, do not anchor upon you and don't anchor upon your circumstances Anchor at me first. Jehovah Sidkenu reminds us that Jesus is our righteousness. We can have no righteousness in and of ourselves. It reminds us that Jesus, you are the one that brought righteousness to me. It reminds us, as, as we talk about, like even this conference coming up, uh, honesty, death to performance, as we talk about death to religion, what, re- what we mean by religion is religion is works-based. Religion is saying, I've got some rules. I can do, do these things or not do these things. And based upon those things, I, if I'm good enough, I have to be accepted by God or I'll be accepted by others or I will accept myself. That is what religion is. In fact, that's even what irreligion is. That would, that's even the place in which an agnostic or an atheistic will stand because they may not have spiritual rules, they may not attach it to a faith, but they still believe according to what I believe. The things I stand for of what I'll do and not do, that's how I know I'm okay. Maybe not with a higher power, but with others and with myself. It's all the same. That's all religion. Grace and the Gospel, Christianity, radically different from all, all religion where it says, my righteousness, my goodness, my acceptance before God, others, and myself cannot be based on me and what I do. Because if it is, I'm toast. And so it starts by, man, it's a place of praise. You say, Jesus, 
You're my righteousness. You're my salvation. And I'm so grateful for that, that I don't have to be my salvation. I'm telling you, we could stop right there. And everybody go out. Everybody go out and just take an hour and just thank God that you don't have to be your own salvation, that Jesus is salvation. And He brings it to us. The next one, Jehovah Makadosh Kim. The Lord, your sanctifier. The Lord, your sanctification. Um, God, our righteousness, talks about our justification. Okay? And kids, what justification is when we've been declared perfect. We're not perfect, but God declares us this because He declares us as perfect as Jesus because He declared Jesus as rotten as us. And so we change. We exchanged. And so justification was the beginning. It's what brings us in the doors. what brings adoption. We become sons of God or daughters of God. Sanctification, though, is growth. It's the point in which between that point and between death, it's, it's the life that we live. It's walking things out. And, and, and this is one where, where again, I mean, I, I've been learning a ton over this last year about grace and about the Gospel. I've been learning how religious I've been. I've, I would not be a man a year ago that would stand up here and, and tell you that you can have grace, that you can have grace through your works, that, that you can be justified or saved by your works. But I would be a guy. I would not ever say it. But in my life, I've lived my life as if I'm not sanctified by grace, I'm sanctified. I'm, I grow by my works. And what Jesus wants us to do is be very freed from that to where He says, no, no, no. You're freed. You're freed through Me doing works through you, not through you doing your works. I am your sanctification. It's a, it's passive, it's a passive place versus an active place. The passivity, and, and we've been walking through this, but to remind us again, it's a place where you come and you all you can do is surrender before Jesus and say, God, I'm available for you. Come and change me. And He comes and He does His fruit within you. Just read the first part of John 15 where Jesus is like, you know what? You keep a detaching from the vine and you're not going to have any fruit born within you when you do that. Attach yourself. Rest within me. Rest in grace. Uh, make yourself available. Surrender and I will fill you and I will do the work. I will produce the fruit within you. And so this even of itself, this name here is just saying, God, you're my sanctification too. You're the one who will grow me. And, I, it, and it is up to you. It is up to you to come to a place of surrender in that. Jehovah Makadosh Kim. Jehovah Ra or Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know if any of you guys have ever studied shepherds or ever spent much time with, with shepherds. But you know what's, what's interesting is that Shepherds um, smell like sheep, and sheep stink. We have a God that didn't stay on a throne, detached from us, as He should have. He should have. Our God incarnated, became a human, became a sheep, and ultimately loved the sheep and died for the sheep. And to where the Father looked at Him and said, 
Jesus, you smell like their sin, and I will judge you for their sin. Jesus is the most incredible shepherd you've ever seen. And, well, I'd love to go have time just to go through more things about a shepherd, but they love the sheep, they feed the sheep, they protect the sheep, they even discipline the sheep. And if one goes away, they'll go and they'll, they will not lose their sheep. He is our shepherd. Jehovah Shema, the Lord who's present, my God who is there. This is the promise of His presence. Hebrews 13, 5-6 says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So, as a result of that, we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do you see how courage just built up within the within that within the psalmist as he was as he was saying that you know do you know do you know that if you've got a strong man beside you you got nothing to fear how, how many of you guys you you grew up and you had an older brother or another older sister you know in, in school how many of you guys you had an old brother and that older brother and older sister uh, had to uh, protect you at times had kept Kept watch over. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way it goes. Now, now of course, they're the ones that beat you the worst, right? Yeah, I know that too. But it's in, it's in love, at least so they say. But um, when you've got somebody that goes before you, somebody stronger and more powerful than anybody else that's at your peer level, all of a sudden, you have a courage that swells up within you. And that courage is not based upon you. It's based upon your bodyguard. People have said, God plus one makes a majority. It's true. If God is on your side, if, if God be for you, who can be against you? Unbelievable. We have the promise of His presence. He said He will never leave us nor forsake us. Next name, Jehovah Rapha. That's the Lord, our healer. Um, when you pray, and when you're, when you're praying for somebody who's sick, somebody who's ill, somebody who's dying. Call out this name. I mean, be very specific. Say, Lord, I, I call out your name as Jehovah Rapha, our God and healer, and I just ask God that, that you would respond with that characteristic and that you would just that you'd bless and you'd heal my friend, my family member. This person all the way across the across the world that somebody sent me an email about, that you would touch them right now, Jehovah Rapha. And I, I believe this. I believe every time that we ask God to heal someone, follow me, I believe every time we pray and ask God to heal them, that God heals them. Now listen to me. It may not be physically. It may not be in the way that you're praying, but I believe every time that you call out to God to come and bring who He is of healing in a person's life, holistically, you, don't, you have no idea where He's going to touch. He may touch where they are as a relational person. He may heal something in their mind. He may heal some, something in their heart, an old wound. He may heal a portion in their marriage. You know, He may... 
He may heal their body. But I believe every time we pray healing, there is a wholeness that God will bring that we may have no clue about, but, but you can trust. You can't manipulate Him to say this is how you must work, but you can trust that He will work. Um, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. Guys, I'm telling you, this, this one's huge. When you get worried, when you get anxious, you need to understand that you have inserted your name, David, my peace. Or maybe what you've done is you've, you've inserted paying my school bill is my peace. Or you've inserted having this person as my girlfriend is my peace. You've got circumstances or relationships that you've put in there that you have described. That is what brings peace. And God says, no! He says, don't let anything else be your peace because everything else will fail. And so He says, I'm the only one that can bring you peace. And so here's what to do. The next time you're worried, next time you're anxious, next time you're frustrated, go to Him and say, God... Lord, would you reveal to me where I've placed what I've placed as my peace? And God, I will take that idol down and I proclaim, God, you're the only one that I need as my peace. Again, you get, you're getting off of the foundations of shifting sand. You're standing on the rock. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Um, this is one where when you're when you're praying through, when you're praying through, uh, and, and you're, man, you're like, man, people need protection in their lives. Uh, this, this, this goes back to uh, El Elyon, the most, uh, the, the, mo- the strongest strong one. You know, uh, it, it, it attaches to some of those of, uh, of, of the power of God. It's like He is the one who's powerful, and it, but He's even so powerful that He is the one who can send forth angels, very real angels to be a part of ministry or protection. And it's one where we just say, God, I need You. I need You to be the one. And, I, and, and to where you're praying for someone, you're standing in the gap in prayer and say, God, would You, would you step in for them? And God, would, would You send forth angels to do whatever they do? to protect or provide or to minister or whatever it looks like, would you just send everything that you can? And God is pleased with that. He's pleased when you, when you go to Him. Um, when you anchor at the names of God, you're proclaiming who He is. And then what you do then is it, it will lead you to ask of God according to His names. Do you see? You see, as you look down, you see these character traits, and you're just like, God, this is where I'm at. And so therefore, I need these provisions. You know? Um, there's, uh, there's Jehovah Jireh, my God who is, who is there. I mean, excuse me, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. In which you just say, God, would you be... Would you, would you bring provision into my life? There's Jehovah Nissi, which means God my banner. And, and this is like, if I'm going to wave a flag, and, and you know what the flags were for? When you, marched, when you marched into battle, you raised 
the, the, you raise a flag of either of the kingdom or of the king. You didn't raise the flag of the general. You didn't raise the flag of the foot soldier. You raised the flag of the king for the kingdom. And what Jesus wants us to know is He wants to clarify in our lives when we're, just, when we're trying to hoist up David's flag. And I want everybody to see David. And it's about my glory. You know what? I had to confess to one of my Acts 29 brothers the other day who, when we were speaking down at a conference in Macon because one phrase you'll hear a lot, and it comes from John Piper, talks about making much of Jesus. Making much of Jesus. You know? And, and, and so we always talk about, man, we want to make much of Jesus. We want to lift Him high. Like that. And I, I, just, I just confessed something to my brother. I said, you know what? I said, you know what I want? I said, I want people to say that I make much of Jesus. Now, how humble is that? You know? I just want people to know and think that I make much of Jesus. What is that? Wrong flag. It's Dave's flag going up there. Jehovah Nassim, God's the banner. We need to say, God, please change my life to where it's your banner. That, I, that as I'm walking around, I'm telling you, you, you may say, well, uh, that's weird. I'm telling every one of you, you're walking around with a banner. You all have a flag that you're carrying. You just may not even know it. You need to look up. You need to read whose name is on that banner. Because whoever's name is on that banner is who you worship. Maybe your name. It could be the name of someone else that you put in the improper place. Someone that, man, they to, to you are, are what life's about. It could be a circ- It could be an ideal or a dream. But that's the banner that you wave. Take that flag down. Um, but in, in these names, Je- Jehovah, the Jehovah names, it reveals. The, what God brings to the picture. So it's like, you know, Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider. I mean, we'll go, this connects even in a little while when we'll be praying through, you know, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, He wants you. He wants you to pray, God, please provide for me today. He wants you to do that. Um, but, but more importantly than asking for His provision, rather than just knowing that He is God the provider is to know that He is God the provision. Are you with me? Before you need the stuff God has, you need the God that has the stuff. Don't just look in His hand for what He can give you. Look into His face because you need Him. He's the one you need. So all of a sudden, that changes everything. Because all of a sudden, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, God my provider is, God is my provision. All of a sudden, it's like, Lord, it's not that I need all these things, though, though we do need things. We do need air, and we need water, we need food, we need shelter, you know, we need, we need transportation, we need these, these things in our lives. But God is saying, but way before you need those things, I'm your need. And, and, and it's as if, instead of, Instead of just tackling God, even in prayer, asking God to heal someone, is to say, but God, I want to recognize, first of all, that You are healing. That as I come to You, as I engage You, healing is found within You. Even if I never see it in my body. 
That's taking things to a whole other level. Now, this last little section, I mean, there's, there, there's, there's two big sections. And it was, the first of all is understanding the names of God for you, but of hallowed be thy name. But the, this last little part that I want to give to you, though, is as we not just look as hallowing his name for us and for, for those right around us, but that we want his name to be hallowed throughout all the nations. Um, it's not just for your benefit. It's not just for you, although it is. It starts, it begins with you and us. But it's also a missional cry by which when we say, hallowed be your name, not just for me, not just for us, because it's an hour, it's a wee prayer, but we're also saying, God, may your name go forward through the entire earth. May your glory go. Look at Psalm 18, 14, 18 49. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Psalm 72, 17-19. May His name endure forever. May His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in Him. All nations call Him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and Amen. God wants us to have that heart to say, God, Your name is not just for me. Your name is not just for us and my family that I'm living life with. God, Your name is for the globe. And God, if my heart has not been tweaked yet for that, will You please change my heart? That, that, we would, that we'd love You so much that we'd want Your, your glory to extend forth. 2 Thessalonians 1-3 through says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it happened among you, and that we may, we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He'll establish you and guard you against the evil one. We want His name to go forward. We want the word of the Lord, the gospel, the great news of Jesus to go all over this globe. We want it in Huntsville. We want it in the southeast. We want it in the United States. We want it in Central America. And we want it in East Africa and Asia and Eastern Europe. We want it all over the world. Listen to me. Some of you listening to my voice here or in the future on a podcast or a vodcast, I believe this. I believe some of you listening to my voice will lose your life somewhere in the world taking God's name and story and glory. And what an honor it will be. What an honor. How does God need to change us in the reverencing of His name which really does represent His fame and His flag. How does God want to change us to where we say, God, I'm tired of... Okay, even when I'm marching with Your flag, I'm kind of just marching around in a little bitty room that nobody sees Your banner. God, I want Your banner to go forth. I want it to go to the Muslim countries where I or my friends might even be killed as a result. But God, I only have a few years. And it's so worth doing whatever for you.